Say it again. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's kind of like going in and out. Okay, listen, can you hear me? Yes? Okay, great. Thanks, I'll meet you. Jim, testing. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? 
No, Jim, you're still low, so you're gonna have to type in the chat. Okay. All right now. Good evening. Welcome to another evening of Cliff Burton Friends featuring the very best in women's athletics and HBCU sports. We want to thank all of our listeners. Tonight is a different night than normal, Tuesday night. We had to move it back at night, and we had to move it back just about an hour. But we thank all of you for joining us tonight, Cliff Burton Friends. Next week, we'll be back Memorial Day, May 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on normal time. Now, tonight we're gonna have Jim and he's gonna be joining us in the chat room and uh, he's already said hello. We're gonna have to type it in the chat to us. He's having a little difficulty getting through. And also Dr. Kemp, say hello to our audience. We have a big show going tonight. Say hello, Dr. Kemp. Well, good evening, everyone. Glad oh. to have you on. All righty. Uh, so this is a big week and tonight our show will go about 9.50 on the Easter time, about 9.50. So we start <clears throat> close to last week. We have one more with her. And also next week, we'll be introducing our Women of the Month. But we've been talking about none other than Miss Diane Durham, the first African-American female to win a national championship in gymnastics. Now, she, 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 up until 1982, she competed. And um, then she became a coach. She coached for the Carolis, who trained her. And at the University of Illinois Chicago, as well as she still performed in professional shows. Later on, she owned and operated a gymnastics school, Skyline Gymnastics, on Chicago's North Side for 17 years. She also became a gymnastics judge, coach, and motivational speaker. At the 1992 Summer Olympics that were held in Barcelona, Spain, Diane Durham participated just as a performer. In 2015, she was inducted into the Indiana Gymnastics Hall of Fame. In 2017, she was inducted into the U.S. Gymnastics Regional Hall of Fame. In 2021, she posthumously was inducted into the USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame. Several accomplished black gymnasts have noted Diane Durham as a source of inspiration. At her memorial service, Simone Biles, Betty Aquino, Gabby Douglas cited Durham's contributions to gymnastics as the catalyst to their own careers. Biles states, quote, Diane really paved the way for black gymnasts like me. Similarly, Douglas describes her as a trailblazer and Aquino attributed the current representation of gymnastics to none other to Miss Diane Durham's contributions. Dr. Kemp, give us some more on this one. And Jim, you can type it in the chat. Oh yeah, uh, Miss Durham, she definitely um, 
you know, opened up um, the trail for the elite gymnasts that we have now. Um, definitely those that, that are coming, um, you know, down the pike uh, now, the young gymnasts. Um, and she was actually the aunt of um, Michael Woods II. He played professional football for the Cleveland Browns. Mm. Um, yeah, that was, I thought that was like very interesting. Um, she was featured in a 2020 work by Johannesburg-based um, artist um, by uh, entitled a video that was entitled "Suspension," um, and it involved it kind of like what he did was cut together footage of a lot of the black elite gymnasts from all over the world. Um, you know, definitely including her. So she had, she had accomplished a lot, and I'm glad that again, once again, that you brought her to the forefront for us to know who she was. Yes, we're so proud of her. Uh, Ms. Diane Durham, we have one more week, Memorial Day, which will be ending with Ms. Diane Durham, and we will be introducing, I want to announce until next week, our Woman of the Month for June. Let me see if I can recap. December, we started this. Miss Lucia Harris, basketball great. January, was it Pat Summit, Woman of the Month. February, volleyball great, I believe. Am I right, Dr. Kemp? Okay, we're going to go on a rundown of these. Um, Flo Hyman. Mm -hmm. yep. And then after Flo Hyman, we had Alice Coachman. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And then after Alice Coachman, uh, we've had... <clears throat> Miss Diane Durham, did we miss somebody? I uh, don't think we missed. Uh, Wilma Rudolph. How can we Wilma Rudolph, this? that's right. Oh, Wilma course. Rudolph. Okay, so that's what we have so far since the show has started. I don't think we could have started with a better group of women. We also have with us tonight, she's going to join us in the co-host room, and we're going to talk about um, her lessons that she's given, and that is none other than For the Love CEO, Ms. Sheila Town. Say hello, Sheila. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to talk extensively about some things in just a little while. And so thanks for joining us. We're just finishing up again, Woman of the Month, Ms. Diane Durham, and we were having a recap of all of the Women of the Month since we started this in December of 20. 22 and we couldn't come up with a better group of women that we just named so hey let's keep it going one more one more week is diane durham and then we have a great one for you next month now uh the wmba we're going to talk quite a bit about it tonight our hbc sports will have some of it tonight but as you know with the youngsters out of school it slows down we'll have a little well, more professional sports tonight. Now, Candace Parker, hey, hey, she just started a season with the Los Angeles Ace. And, uh, and uh, they set, they a, set record. a record. They set a, they record, set a record in the first round and they scored 105 points in their first game. She, she also made some history. She moved she up ninth, ninth in WNBA scoring. 6,417 points. She passed 
Sylvia Fowles, who just retired. Marla, and then we'll let uh, uh, our CEO talk about Candace Parker and uh, the impact she is still having at 37 years young as a player. Yeah, Candace, she is um, she's awesome. I, I like really enjoy watching her. Um, I mean, wow, what can you say? Scoring that many points, um, and and you know, you you're number nine, number ninth, you know, in line, um, and um, she does it, you know, well every every year. Um, in addition to you know her being a commentator, um, you know, with the for the men's uh, league. Uh, and, and and not for them, but you know, in the college um, league with the men, um, and then um, I mean, wow, to just score 105 points um, in uh, the season opener. Uh, I can't remember who I can't recall who they played, but that's something else. And um, at Candace, yeah, she, she's great. And yeah, of course, this team, first. this team in Las Vegas is a super team. Uh, you take Kenneth Parker, you add him to Gray, Wilson. I mean, they already were the champs. It's kind of like they added Durant to the Golden State Warriors. And so uh, they were, they're one of the two teams picked to be a super team in the WNBA. In their first game, they came out, they came out blitzed. So again, congratulations, Candace Parker. We'll keep an eye on you. They're 2-0. Now, I want to get some good news in on the name Morant. <clears throat> so far recently, the, the name Morant in the news has not been good lately. And um, But we do have a good name in Morant. Uh, John Morant's younger sister has signed Tanya Nia Morant has signed to play her college basketball at Mississippi Valley State in the SWAC conference. She's a 5'7 senior guard from Houston High School in Germantown, Tennessee, averaging 11.2 points and 4.7 rebounds, 1.5 steals. Now, she's going to a program that struggled, okay? They struggled uh, last year in the SWAC. Uh, they, they, they were 2-27. and 27. So we're going to look for her to uplift that program uh, and take some of those Morant skills down to the SWAT conference. So we look forward to keeping up with this young lady. Now, back to the WNBA. Back to the WNBA. With all the glory, there's a continuous looming problem. Not enough positions. I'm going to read a stat to you. Since the inception of the WNBA in 1997, only 42%, no, 46% of players drafted in those first three rounds never made a team. The cut rate is extremely high, and the staying in the league rate is extremely low. Let's turn it up to this year. 2023 draft, just a few weeks ago, out of the 36 players selected in the three rounds, only 15 were on 
rosters this past opening weekend. All right. Alexis Morris for LSU. Just won national championship. Cut. Monica Nizzano, who played for Iowa, the big player inside. Um, also, cut. South Carolina's Bria Beal. Cut. These are final four players. Virginia Tech's Kiana Taylor. Cut. And the Dacia Williams. Cut. These are the notables. This is a big problem. You can make a great team with those who are cut. So what are some of your solutions? What do you see? I'm going to ask Sheila. Because we've got to we've got to find a better way to uh, harness this talent. What do you see, Sheila? Unmute. I'll unmute you. What do you, what do you oh, see, hold Sheila? On. Hold on a second. Jim says we need to expand the number of teams, which they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Right, I totally agree with, um, you know, Jim. And like you said, and it's, it's kind of sad, you know, because it's like those players, they look forward to being, you know, drafted. And of course, I'm sure they probably know, you know, their what their chances are, you know, but at the same time, you know, they are totally excited about, you know, being drafted and, and making a team and, and, you know, and especially, you know, coming out of, college and um you know it seems like just to get that far and you know not to really make it um you know i'm, I'm sure it's disappointing um you know for them as yeah. well and uh two answers immediately many of the players say let's expand it says expand the roster by two players from 12 to 14. so far the owners have not bought into that philosophy or expand the league clearly and find some new mark market one of those markets was explored in the preseason, Canada, where they had a sold-out game. And uh, Arthur Engelberg stated, if they're going to expand next year or in the near future, that would be a market. Um, Destiny Henderson, she played for Dawn Stanley, who won her national championship the last one a year or two ago. She was cut. So she was only in the league two years. This is a big problem. This is a big problem. Mm-hmm. Sheila, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. What are your okay. thoughts on this? Uh, well, I mean, if if you want to kind of expand this out, the whole reason that Brittany Gardner was in Russia is that she said to make more money. So, I mean, why is it that these players who are, and she is a premier player for the league, why is it that she's having to go international in order to subsidize her income? Um, So, I mean, I think it expands much larger than, you know, the teams. Why is it that they um, are not supporting um, women's basketball in the same fashion as they do the men's? Um, they've been around a long, long enough now, but they have more than proven themselves, um, not only in the league itself, but also in the Olympics. So why is it that they aren't able to, um, attract more sponsorships and are able to, um, if not be equal to 
the men in pay um, at least be something comparable? I mean, I mean, I think those are some of the questions that need to be put out there and and addressed because that could potentially solve and alleviate some of the questions that we're presenting here today. Now let me give you something, something in addition, in to, addition that. to that. Let me give you something in addition, something to, addition that. to that. Um, um, the NBA, NBA WNBA has a prioritization and it's an effective season. And what that means that players were choosing that option of playing overseas. And recently, players' seasons overseas, where they were making more money, ended like they were in the playoffs when the WNBA seasons in May started. Well, in the recent collective bargaining agreement, the prioritization rule went into effect this year and will be in effect for 2027, stating that a player must choose if they've been in the league two years to get back here and start this season on time or risk being fined or even not being allowed to play. That's in effect this year. In fact, Gabby Williams, a star from Seattle Storm, former UConn Husky, been in the league over two years, right now is having to sit out because she didn't make it back in time over here because her team over in France was in the playoffs. And so this rule's in effect. So you see the the, the crunch that they're putting our ladies in between because some of them were choosing to play over there and show up late for the season year because they'll get more money. And now they're in the middle, excuse me, the middle of this as well. So that's the that's the new thing. Prioritization rule is also in effect. And and Sheila, let me just continue on. With Brittany Griner, people don't know this, but she took quite a pay cut this year to get back into the WNBA after her deal in Russia. She lost quite a bit of money because they want to make sure they have money to get other players. So it's a what we see on the TV while we're cheering the opening of the season and all the ball under the hoops, we still have some things we have to be cognizant of, speak up on, on behalf of the WNBA. They got some battles going, all right? And this yeah. is a real game that, that's... Uh, that's going on. Hmm? Marlo, I hope, you, I hope oh, go ahead. I hope it doesn't end up, um, you know, like how golf, you know, wind up doing last year with the, the you know, the golf players versus uh, what is the leave or the live players, you mm -hmm. know, when the other players wind up going, you know, playing for the other, um, you know, playing for the other um, over, over, over the other country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the other tour mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly well we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes but this is definitely an ongoing problem an ongoing problem now let's get to a brighter story we still have some more WMBA to go but let's get to a bright spot I want to put it in there young man Jalen Hurts role model Super Bowl quarterback Philadelphia Eagles just signed new contract, $255 million. That's not what we're going to talk about. He also, past weekend or last weekend, received his master's degree. I think it's in human relations from the University of Oklahoma. 
So he's got all those priorities right. He already had his bachelor's. Now he's got his master's, and he just took his team to the Super Bowl and signed for $255 million. And he's one of the biggest stars, the first stars to have an African-American female agent, Nicole Ginger Lynn. So Jalen Hurts, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Marla, what's your thoughts on him? Marla, what's your thoughts on him? Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, my hat goes off to Jalen. I'm I'm proud. I am very proud of him, and I'm so glad that, he, you know, he decided to keep keep pressing forward um, and just finishing uh, his higher degree. Next next year to be Super Bowl ring to add to the master's degree. Yep. And, and Jim says the University of Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett, who won the championship, can't even get his B.A. in six years. Uh-oh. <laughs> Jam. Uh-huh. Sheila, yeah, what do you think about um, Jalen Hurts as a young man? We know he's a great player, but just a young man, a role model for, for all young men and, and women. It, absolutely. As, a, you know, one of the things is um, he is truly a beacon example of a scholar athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a professional level, you know, I have great respect for him. Um him choosing and selecting a black female to represent him in the in the male dominated not only industry of sports agents but also sports so um so many of us are not given the opportunity but for him to be um confident enough in her abilities to negotiate and also to um uh be able to get him uh i'm sure that he got more than than just money i'm sure he had other um things that he wanted in his contract but the ability for him to to have enough faith and trust to, to put into her and give her an opportunity so that others can see that we are more than capable of handling um these kinds of business transactions um and also in a in an industry that typically does not respect or uphold women in a favorable light yeah yeah and let me tell you let me tell you he took it a step further further. not only is his agent but also his whole team his marketing team Mm -hmm. his lawyers all of his team are females the whole yeah. team. This young man thinks, thinks differently, thinks smart, and is not the status quo a typical um, player in the NFL. And he's going to do well. He's going to do well. Before we go to a break, before we go to a break, I just want to tell you something here. And uh, if you, it says, don't just dream it, go get it. All righty. I love this here. This summer, summer camp. Uh, led by For the Love CEO, Sheila Townsend. And down at Boca Raton, it'll be held at Boca Raton High School on the tennis courts, 1501 Northwest 15th uh, Court, Boca Raton, Florida. And if you need the phone number, it's 561-702-6768. Now, these are the dates. We're going to repeat them all summer long. You'll get intensive training, summer camps. 
June 12th to 15th, June 9th to 22, June 26th to 29, July 3rd, 5th, 6th, and 10th. The first 16 participants per camp, okay, will get that. And I believe the training will be from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. So make sure, I'm going to say one more time, 561, phone number, 702 six seven six eight and if you want to see some more about it www.tinyurl no tinyurl t-i-n-y-u-r-l dot c-o-m backslash four number four the love tennis all one word now we're going to keep bringing this all summer long and uh sign up head down to head florida down. and get you some get great you for the love ceo michelle townsend We'll be back in about one minute. Thank you, everybody. Welcome back, Cliff, Burt, and friends, featuring the very best in women's athletics and HBCU sports. Now, I'm going to switch up to some sports. This time of year, and I'm going to ask Marlo and Sheila if you could just mute, and then when you come in, unmute, because we hear a little play. This time of year is the Division I track and field championships, okay? And so they start with preliminary rounds, and then they move to the national championship. Now, how's this done? The NCAA selects the top 48 athletes in 20 or so events. And so you have an Easter preliminary, May 24th to 27th, which will be held in Jacksonville, Florida, at the University of Florida, Gators. The Western preliminaries will be held the same date, May 24th to 27th, at California State University in Sacramento. From there, they, of course, as you know, weed it down. And then in June, early June, they will have the national championships. And the, those top athletes that go to the national championship, uh, we'll see that in June. And it'll be held on all of the uh, ESPN channels. We will definitely have some more of that information for you. But I want to keep that on the forefront. I believe last year at HBCUs, North Carolina NT had a few runners that made it to the Division I National Championship. I don't know if they won it. So we're going to keep an eye on that. But I want to keep track and field at the forefront. Dr. Kent, what do you think? Track and field. Track and field. 
Oh yeah, this is the time in the season for track and field. Um, I'm excited just to see, you know, all those athletes, um, you know, just get at it. This is their time and um, it's always fun, you know, to see them, you know, run as well as the, you know, the field events, like the, you know, the, the triple jump and the long jump and, you know, all those other, you know, events that we tend to sometimes, you know, overlook because we're all, you know, we're always focusing in on the, you know, the track, um, but mm -hmm. I'm excited. And then um, for the the championships, I'm curious because I'm, I'm not sure do they get points or, or they always just have to qualify towards um, like the Olympics? I guess they're. Well, they're I, believe, I believe that whoever comes out of this, this weekend and however they place with so many points and then the best of those go on to the championship. So these are the preliminary do or die rounds this weekend on each part of the coast. And then the best, I don't know how many, go on to the nationals. And, and we're going to follow, definitely follow up some more but this this is it if you're trying to win an outdoor track and championship it's like the semifinals and in june down in texas i believe will be the finals we're going to keep up with this though we're going to keep up with this now the other big softball the other big sport that's going on right now and i want us to make sure we can understand that is the national softball tournament right now the nationals that's what we call it they started I call it the March Madness of Spring. This is one of the most watched events in the spring, women's softball national tournament, more than men's baseball, okay? They started with 64 teams that played in 16 different regionals, four teams each. That has now been weeded down. We're down to the final 16 teams. They re-ranked them, and they will begin playing May 25th through 27th, or they'll play May 26th through 28th. And these teams all play the best two out of three in their game. You can see all of it on ESPN2, ESPN, U, ESPN. You can find it. Let me give it to you. Here it how it ranks. Number one, Oklahoma. We're playing number 16, Clemson, in Norman, Oklahoma. Let's remember, Oklahoma went into the tournament 51 and 1. They're the overall number one seed. Duke, number eight, Ray Stanford, number nine, to open this up. Alabama, number five, plays number 12, Northwestern. Tennessee, number four, plays Texas, number 13, in Knoxville. Number three, Florida State, plays number 14, Georgia, in Tallahassee. Number six, Oklahoma State versus Oregon, Stillwater, Oklahoma. And number seven, Washington versus Louisiana in Seattle, Washington, and then number 15, Utah versus San Diego State in Salt Lake City, Utah. The top eight finishers in this round will go on to play in the Softball College World Series next week, and we'll be announcing where that is and what's going on. So when you're watching these games now, we are in the Super Regionals, okay? We passed the Regionals. We're in the Super Regionals. Next stop is the World Series. I just want to make sure we get that out there so we understand our spring sports. Sheila, what do you think about the softball? What do you think about the softball? Well, I know that in uh, college sports, 
and even high school that softball girls softball is such a popular sport but it it reasons to question about why they um have removed it from the olympics mm. uh, with the popularity of it and um from the high school and from the collegiate level it's like once they've obtained that where you know those who are at um the levels that are reaching these national championships where do they go after that what what do they do with it um with the skill the love the knowledge that they have you know why is it that they aren't able to continue into the next tier in the next level of um this sport i don't know yeah because yeah, because see, like, like, the softball college is well supported even the early rounds i don't know the, the number count but it definitely looks like it's being uh at least supported well from the fans point of view uh jim's reminding us that in the first the, the rounds a regional round number two ucla they got taken out <laughs> And LSU also got taken out. So that's the way it goes. This is March Madness. But back to your question. It's a great question, Sheila. A great observation. And uh, we'll have to keep up with it. But it is the number one viewed spring sport, at least above baseball. It's above men's baseball by far. So let's keep cheering them on right now. And they're doing a great job um, in that. I have, okay. I have one I have one sure. more comment, Cliff, to just kind of piggyback on what you said. Um, you know, it it as we have these discussions, it's it's so evident how women's sports are so discounted. And if you look, as you said, um, the popularity, the viewership of um, women's or female softball in comparison to baseball, mm -hmm. collegiate and professional. I mean, the professional baseball leagues, you constantly hear them having discussions as to how they can improve their, um, the uh, patrons experience, how they can get started, what can they do to start bringing more people into the ballpark and things like that. But somehow they're, salaries you never hear about their salaries being cut you don't hear about these same athletes having to find other um yeah. additional opportunities outside of their league um for income purposes but just in today we've talked about three different sports where they've had to do that the women have had to do that mm -hmm. um so Again, I think that it opens up to such a, a wider question as to why when clearly the data is shown that they are, if not as um, vital as the men's, but bringing more viewerships, bringing more participants and, and more uh, or not equal to what the men are doing. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's, just a, it's a struggle that, that at a minimal, we have to continue to talk about. And, and, and more than that, get out and support in the seats 
and then and then push the issues. Um, and and they take time. But the one thing uh, that we can't do is, is stop pushing forward. That solution will come. We can't stop pushing forward and promoting. That's for sure. Um, so we'll keep talking about it. We'll keep pushing on every platform that, that that we have. Okay. All right. Now, so we come back to the WNB a little bit. This past weekend, we waited 293 days to return Brittany Griner to WNBA, something that just a year and a half ago we were just praying for as a nation, as a world, um, to see this happen. And now she has returned. She's played two games, and uh, it was just great to see her. She lost both of them, but that's not even that's even not even the issue right now. And she averaged 22.5 points. Uh, so she lost one game to the ace, and I can't remember the other team, but but that doesn't even matter. Marlo, what do you think? We've been talking about Brittany's house since last February, but just to see her now in this first weekend of actually playing basketball. Yeah, just uh, before I just comment on Brittany, just to um, um, just to piggyback off of what um, Sheila said, um, in terms of um, you know, the just women, you know, sound like we need to stretch Title Nine into Title 18, you know, just so we can see what more we can do, you mm-hmm. know, to help, you know, women's sports. Um, but um, but Brittany, I'm, I'm glad to like, I'm glad to see her, um, you know, out on the court and I'm glad everybody, you know, showed her love and, um, you know, and just gave her her due just to actually just see her here at home and able to do what she loves, you know, to do, and that is to play in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just kind of surprised that, I mean, you really just didn't hear a lot of information, you know, just like on the mainstream, at least I didn't see it, you know, unless you were watching ESPN, um, you know, just by her playing in her, you know, first, um, you know, couple of games in, in the opening season of you know, the, the WNBA, but we wish her well, you know, just hope that she have um, continued success um, as well as, you know, all of the other, you know, teams, but especially her. So it's great to see her, um, you know, return to the court. Yeah, I, I agree. And I want to hear Sheila's take on this as well. Had this been uh, LeBron James returning from that type of ordeal, this would have been a whole different level of uh, fanfare. So Sheila, chime in. Brittany's back. Well, chime in. Well, first of all, for, you know, all of the um, mental stress that she was under, I know that she probably has been able to find some kind of solace and refuge by being on the court. Um, And so for her to just be able to be back in, it, like you said, and though she may not have won the game, she won a different kind of game, even if for herself to to just be able to be back in a place where she could literally take a breath. And so, um, but again, as you said, if this were LeBron James, because in women's basketball, I mean, she is kind of like on that level. Mm-hmm. And if it was him, I mean, they would have had, not only would you have heard about it on ESPN, it would have been on every network. They would have been interviewing her um, all over the place on every 
cable and, and regular channel outlet. And so, you know, why isn't she receiving the same kind of welcome back? Um, you know, you keep on, you keep circling back to these questions and why is it that, you know, as Marlo said, you barely even knew that she was back. Playing Friday, Playing night. Friday night. Barely mm-hmm. knew it. And, yeah. and why not? I mean, after it became a national talking point at one time um, to bring Britney back, I mean, was it just for that moment? I don't know. It, to me, a lot of questions, but for me personally, for her, I'm, I'm so happy that she was able to come back and, and be in a place where I know that she finds refuge, but shame on them for um, making her um, take a pay cut, which when you unearth it again, is the main reason why she was over in Russia in the first place is because of money. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things, well, that, things I, that I, I hope that, um, that, that, like what Brittany said, they were interviewing her the other night, and many people were trying to pry into, okay, now she stands for the national anthem. She used to not stand for the national anthem before she didn't believe in it. And I like the way that she answered the question. She said, I still believe that people have the right to stand or not stand, but over the time, people's views, and it can change, and clearly through her ordeal, some things have changed, but she still believes people reserve that right to stand or not stand. And so, um, hey, I'm just happy to see BG back like everybody else. Let's give her a cheer, and we're going to keep her still in our, com- our conversations and on our tongues because uh, she she deserves it, that's for sure. That's for sure. Before we go to a music break, Pamela Renee, qualifying broker, founder, CEO, 2870 Peach Street Road, Suite 992, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Pamela at prenaeestate.com, 404-964-4294. If you're looking for, she's the broker, the founder of this company, residential, commercial, land, builder, developer, and investment services in the Georgia or Atlanta, Georgia area, that's where you need to go. We'll be back in about 60 seconds. go straight to a story. We were going to do it last, but we're going to just go right there tonight. And that is none other than the life and legacy of football great Jim Brown. We lost him uh, February 17, 1936, and she, we lost him May 18, 
2023. Um, an icon, American fullback, considered one of the greatest, uh, civil rights activist, played for Cleveland Browns from 1957 to 1965. Uh, a Pro Bowl, um, United States All-American College, he played at Syracuse, where he was an all-around player for Syracuse Orangeman. And um, NFL champion, 1964, three-time NFL Most Valuable Player, 57, 58, and 65. NFL Rookie of the Year, 1957, eight-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, one-time, nine-time Pro Bowler. NFL, uh, eight-time led the NFL in rushing yards in his career. Um, NFL scoring leader, 1958. NFL 1960s All-Decade Team. NFL 50th anniversary all-time team, NFL 75th anniversary all-time team, NFL 100th anniversary all-time team, Burt Bell Award, Cleveland Browns, Ring of Honor, Cleveland Browns, retired as Jersey, unanimous All-American 56 and 13 All-American 55, and of course, the University of Syracuse retired as Jersey. So uh, I want us to chime in on this, this icon from my point of view, and I know Jim has some things to say in the chat, we'll read it. Uh, I always remember his activism. I wasn't around when he was running the ball. I heard, heard about him, so it's films. But I remember some iconic pictures, and I always remember these athletes together. Bill Russell, the late Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and of course, at times, I used to see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Those four athletes in, in the larger sports always represents to me athletes who are willing to use their platform, take risks, lose money, and they weren't making that much like athletes today to make a difference. And so I will always remember Jim Brown for his activism. Um, and, and he has some great things going. But uh, uh, Dr. Kemp, let you go. And while you're on mic Jim says he was a great player and uh, Great player, and he was a lacrosse player in college. Didn't know that. Didn't know that. Dr. Kemp, Jim Brown, the legend. Yeah, um, actually, I want to piggyback off of you and Jim because, for one, of course, he was he played, um, you know, before I was born, and you would always hear about, you know, how great he was. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, just until just reading information, you know, about him, um, you know, that you learn all this great information, um, you know, about him. And of course, yeah, as Jim said, he actually um, got a scholarship to Syracuse, um, I think through lacrosse, um, because they wouldn't give him a scholarship for football. Um, so, um, you know, like he said, he was an activist, you know, he believed in, you know, um, our people and, and what we stood for, what we were trying to do. And he didn't care. He didn't care in terms of, um, you know, just giving up, uh, you know, um, what he had to give up, you know, just to take a stand. Um, so I, I, I definitely, you know, salute him because re reading and listening to the stats that you just read about him, I mean, he was he was awesome. He was good. And I think a lot of other uh, running backs, you know, of course, you see, you know, you see them acknowledging him 
you know, in, uh, you know, like Emmett Smith and other great, you know, running backs, but, you know, just to like really now see it, um, you know, he, he was amazing. Sheila, Jim Brown. The turn bite. Mm-hmm. Well, what I most remember about him as, um, the two of you have said, the thing that stands out with me most is his activism. And um, Cliff, you were talking about the, the the other three athletes that you remember him with, but I remember seeing photos with him with um, um, Harry Belafonte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things that Dr. Kemp, that she just said is, he was willing to take a risk when they didn't have all that these athletes have now. And which leads me to the question, you know, what athletes will we say will be the Jim Browns of this time? And sadly, you know, oftentimes you wonder, um, when will some of them outside of, you know, Kaepernick and just a few other ones, will they take that stand to stand up for truth and what's right and be willing to to take that? But um, I don't know. I, I've asked myself oftentimes, is this, was that a dying breed of those that you just named off, you know, from those four athletes? Yeah. And yeah. um but hopefully, you know, that the, that the athletes that are in the same shoes that he was in, you know, hopefully that they will be able to take something far deeper than just his physical attributes and, and his um, record on the football field, but take his record when he was off the field as well and incorporate that into their platform. Mm-hmm. One thing that one, one thing he did, that he, and Jim has mentioned it, um, during the 1990, or was it the riots before? It may not have been Rodney King, but he took Bloods and Crips to his house and talked to him about having a conference and keeping the priests peace. The other thing he did for his own self-empowerment, I guess, he left football in the prime of his career. He He, he was one who was willing to kind of make his own path, but um, but still, that, that taking the Bloods and Crips in your house to try to show the young people the way, you know, it, it's just not something, well, let me ask it this way. Okay, it was doing the Rodney King riots. Thank you, Jim. Do you think, and I'm gonna ask it clearly, a Jordan, a Magic, uh, Isaiah, do you think that they would go as far as to take Bloods and Crips in their homes at the height of the riot in Los Angeles or other athletes of today? Shaq, Charles, uh, would they have taken Bloods and Crips in their home during the riots? Marlo? I think of everybody that you just named, the only person that I could probably see doing that is magic johnson Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everyone else i don't think that they i don't i can't see them doing that just based on what i 
you know, have seen, you know, them. Um, I can't see them. I could see magic uh, definitely doing that. Um, yeah. Jim says no. Sheila? <laughs> I, I said absolutely no. Absolutely not. No. Y'all have me standing alone. <laughs> well, I mean, I do agree with you from the standpoint of that group that Cliff named that that would be the one that I would say. But that that wouldn't be if the question was just presented to me, his name would not be the name that would pop up into my head first and foremost. Uh -huh. So, all righty, all righty, all right. Before we go to commercials, and we have to take our last fifteen-minute run here. We just want to make sure that we get it across. Don't just dream it. Go get it. Intensive training this summer down at Boca Raton High School tennis courts, fifteen hundred one Northwest Fifteenth Court, Boca Raton, Florida, five six one seven zero two six seven six eight. The dates June twelfth to fifteenth. June 19th to 22nd, and June 26th to 29th, July 3rd, 5th, 6th, and 10th, you can receive the intense training from the CEO for the love of Sheila Townsend. She also has a daughter who's ranked number six doubles in the world. We'll be back in 60 seconds. All right, now. Welcome back. We want to mix it. Uh, welcome back to Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best women's, all the women's athletics in HBCU sports. Now, we're going to go back. We're going to keep them the WNBA, become an NBA, and then some HBCU facts. The WNBA, the actual standings as the league has started. In the Western Division, Western Division, the first place team, at least after the first game, where the Los Angeles Aces, excuse me, Las Vegas Aces, 1-0, 105-point performance. You had the Sparks, 1-0. The Wings, 1-0. The Lynx, 0-1. And the Storm, 0-1. But that's just the top five. And in the East, this is what was surprising. The Liberty was supposed to be the best team, and Las Vegas Ace, the second best coming into this season. Well, the Liberty got taken out by the Mystics the first game. So they're one and one. 
And that's after two games. The Mystics are one and two. But first place, the Connecticut Sun, who were in the championship last year. And then you have the Sky, the Mystics, the Liberty. Um, in fifth place, Owen won the Dream. And Aaliyah Boston's team, I'm going to go down to six in the East. They're 0-2. But she had a great showing in her first weekend. The big star of the first weekend was the, they actually had a second game. And Brianna Stewart, who's with the New York Liberty now, exploded for 45 points. So we're just getting started. They now play 44 games rather than 36. And we have a long way to go. And uh, this is just how things have started off this first weekend in the WNBA. Let's shift. I've never seen anything like this. The men's NBA conference finals. Marlon, let's start out west. Denver have swept the Lakers 4-0. Uh, by the way, Denver's old star, we want to give him some love tonight. He just retired, none other than Carmelo Anthony. He started his career there. So we give him some love to Carmelo. Great career. Now, Marlon, what do you think about this series? Denver swept the Lakers. I cannot believe it. I mean, you know, because I hadn't really watched uh, Denver too much, you know, playing. Um, but I was like, I was really, I was surprised. I was really surprised that the Lakers were down like they were. Um, and Denver, Denver was like, I'm sorry, Lakers, not this year. They've had the brooms out. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of shocked the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Well, that spinner of the Joker. When he first came up, I thought, ah, they gave him the MVP over B two years ago. Let me really watch him. Well, he's the real deal. You think he's from Serbia or something. He is a complete player. And, and um, he may not be as athletic, but overall, he's a better basketball player than Anthony Davis. And I know I'm going to get some, some flag back from that. The other guy on that team is Murray. He came out of Kentucky. Now, last year, he was out of the playoffs. He was hurt. But boy, this year he's back. And game three, he was cold most of the game. Two for 15, two for 15. That fourth quarter game, he scored 23 points. And Los Angeles was just looking around like, what happened? And um, LeBron, last game four, did all he could at 38 years old, scored 40, 41 points. But. Uh, just not enough. Just not enough. Sheila, what do you think? I don't know if you've been keeping up with the NBA, the Western Conference. Uh, it's over now. I just want to keep it up. Denver's going to the, to the NBA Finals. <laughs> well, I hadn't been keeping up, but I had been hearing on the news about the, the Lakers. And, um, you know, I mean, everybody has their, their time. So, let the, some new blood come through and let's see, <laughs> let's see what they have, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't keep up with the basketball the way, quite the way I used to. Um, so, but I, as I said, I did hear about, you know, it was such a surprise that, that Denver, when I think they got to game two, they were like, oh my goodness, what's really happening here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I do want to get the late credit their management. The Lakers start out season three and ten. Everybody thought, no way. 
And um, going into the last part of the season, maybe the last 10, 15 games, Jim could chime in the chat. They were in the race and only eight go to the Western Conference playoffs. And um, and so to get in the playoffs and get to the conference finals this year, Rob Polinka and Jeannie Buss made some management moves at the trade deadline, the second half of the season, for the Lakers to even make a run and get in the playoffs more or less to the conference finals. This is not an upset. Everybody still knows that Denver has a better basketball team. Enough to sweep them? Now, that's a little interesting. But definitely, Denver had a better basketball team. Now, let's come to the East. Hmm. The Celtics are down 0-3. And I think they're playing tonight to the Miami Heat. Who came? The Celtics came in in the East, the number one seed out of eight teams. Miami came in the playoffs, number eight. Miami done beat. I think they beat Milwaukee. They done beat some tough ones. And now they're up on the Celtics. Uh, they have them 3-0, and I think they can close them out tonight. On the other night, they beat them so bad. This is the first time uh, that I saw a Celtics team quit. Magic Johnson chimed in and said, I thought I'd never say it, uh, but, okay, the Celtics number two, the Bucks number one, and Miami's taking out the Bucks already. But uh, Magic Johnson after game three says, uh, I, I apologize on behalf of Larry Bird, McHale, and all the Boston greats, uh, and I feel bad because that's not representative of what the Celtics saw. So... I think Miami took their heart, and I know they're going crazy down there in Florida, Sheila. I, they have to be, because this is a team that's, as many would say, overachieving by the time Jimmy Butler and that great coach, young coach. What do you think, Sheila? Oh, yes, they are losing it here because um, nobody expected them to. I mean, the Celtics were up, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they were up in two games. I mean, they were leading the whole way, and it, it was like they collapsed. And, you know, and Miami is hungry. I, I mean, nobody expected them to do anything. And so, um, you know, in sports, when you allow them to stick around when you should have put them down, that's a dangerous. Uh, that's a dangerous combination. Yeah. And, uh, they're hungry now. I mean, Miami is hungry, and Boston is fighting for their life. So, um, but but they are, you know, losing it down here as it comes down to this game. That they are the talk of the town for sure. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> And uh, the broom. I got the broom on, on standby. You might as well in the dust pan. If not tonight, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Uh, so Jim says, uh, also Panthers are doing the same in hockey. All right, Florida Panther hockey team doing the all right same. now. Florida Panther hockey team, okay. And so who would have thought a cold sport in a hot state? They really kick the tail down there. All right, all right, we'll take it. And so, uh um, we're going to see what's going to happen in, in, in these races. And then I'm going to ask you predictions. Miami versus Denver. Two teams that we didn't think would be. Well, Denver we kind of did. 
But they just have, what do you think? This is going to get interesting. Denver and Miami. We're going to assume Miami is going to put Boston away. What do you think? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. Oh, I don't know. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me watch uh, Denver play one game. Then I, Jay, I'll give my predictions the next time. Yeah, Jim says Denver. I have to agree with that in the long haul. But oh, I, I, it'll be a four-two or something like that. Uh, Sheila, oh Sheila, we're not going to announce this because you live in Florida. <laughs> <This is Denver>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't count the heat out. Don't count the heat out. Don't count yeah. the heat out. Okay. Last question tonight I'm going to ask before we leave. We can put our collective heads together. Jim, I'll let you type it in the chat. The, the last week or a few weeks ago, we named our all WNBA top five players since 1997. The league started. We came up with a good list. But I'm going to ask tonight, and Jim, I want you to put these in the chat. Who are the top five women basketball players that never played in the WNBA. The league hadn't started yet. And I'm going to start it out with Cheryl Miller. All right? Yeah. Marla, who do you have? Women before the WNBA started, but were great players. I can't think back that far, but, you know, Cheryl, yes, definitely Cheryl Miller. I forgot about poor Cheryl Miller, but, yeah, she definitely deserved her props. I'm going to go uh, with the second one. Sheila, come on. You got somebody? Let me see. I'm, out my, I'm out my league on this one. All right, I got you covered. Uh, Teresa Edwards out of Georgia. Yes, I call I her the first version of Isaiah Thomas. She was a great point guard. I Teresa agree. Edwards out of Georgia. Thank you, Jim. I was waiting. I was on my team. Lucia Harris, our woman of the month in December. The big dog in the middle. Oh, yeah. Um, here's another one. She was the first woman female Harlem Globetrotter, Lynette Woodard. She was a beast. She was an absolute beast, Googler. Lynette Woodard. Okay? Let's give us one more. Oh, there you go, Jim. Nancy Lieberman. I think her last name was Klein now. Nancy Lieberman Klein. These women were ahead of their time. We can have five more if we think back. But these five women set the stage to force them to even say, hey, we have to have a lead. So they paved the way. Five five women and many more. So that's a great five. That's a great five. We can't beat that. Now, as always, we're going to let uh, Sheila, we'll let you go. And we let, okay. Oh, Jim put in there. He's right. The McGee sisters, Pam and Paula at a USC. Okay. Marla, can you believe it? We don't have a Tennessee ball on this list. Uh-oh. That's interesting because it's funny, you know, because like uh, the McGee twins and uh, Teresa Edwards, it's funny because I don't know why I always thought that they played in the WNBA. Nope. nope. I thought that they did. Um, nope. The first people were people like uh, Cheryl Swoops, Tina Thompson, Cynthia Cooper. They were all after them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Sheila, let's just speak up just speak because up. on anything. We didn't get to talk too much tennis tonight, uh, but we got the show advertised. We're going to continue to about the lessons. Let's just speak, Dr. Kim, and then we're going to get out of here. All right. Well, we have the French Open yep. starting next week, and uh, we have Alicia Parks to be on the lookout 
Sasha Vickery is playing. Taylor is playing. Um, yeah. yeah, we have a nice Sloan will be there. Madison Keys. Um, we have a nice crop. Hopefully, uh, Chris Eubanks will be as well. So we have them playing on the dirt. And um, also, um, let's see, and, and our camp, we are looking for, I'm so excited about the camp yes. Um, yes. and the um, collaboration team that I have working with me, the uh, male, um, I'm sorry, the men's and women's uh, tennis assistant coach, Devin Mullings will be yeah. working yeah. with me who went to the Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And I also have Danny McNair of the McNair Method who will be um, conducting our fitness and nutrition. So I am so excited about the opportunity and I already have some college players coming in for the camp and some really high level uh, juniors will be there. So I'm excited about the opportunity to be able to work with them in this um boutique element setting which is unusual for summer camp but i'm looking to really be able to work with the players to uh improve their games all righty all righty i also want to say welcome to dr chandra noble visiting us here on the show tonight and so uh but Sheila, that's a great camp we continue to push you on the show week in and week out and our listeners we want them to uh get on down there and see and see the camp. I need to get out there for the nutrition and training myself, if nothing else. But uh, we, we're looking forward to that. Dr. Kemp, Kemp give us the last word before we get, out, get of out of here. Oh, yeah, that's what I was oh, going yeah. to say. I'm excited uh, for Sheila's camp. Um, you know, everyone, if you know someone, please spread the word. Um, you know, we want to see some more um, of our children actually striving to become the tennis superstars. And way to go uh, for those that are actually, actually will be participating in the French Open. Um, and uh, Sheila, like Dr. Bird said, can you do you take some old people in the camp? The camp? Or is that something that's on the side? We don't have a good CPR uh, director there with us just yet, so we're gonna leave the line. <laughs> All righty. Hey, team, team, we don't want to, we don't want to get this coming up. In two weeks, two weeks, we're gonna have we're gonna, the legendary, the legendary Dave, Dave Robbins, Robbins coach, coach as, as our guest. Spread the word. Dave Robbins is the winningest coach in Division Two history. He won over seventy-eight percent of his games and coached at Virginia Union. Thirteen CIAA titles, three national titles, five NBA players, including Ben Wallace and Charles Oakley. And he also, and he won his championships in three different decades. He finished at Virginia Union in 2012 with a record of 794 wins and 100, I think, and 13 losses. It's going to be a treat. So spread the word. One of the greatest coaches to ever coach, not just HBCU, anywhere, ever. He is going to be on our show. Coach Dave Robbins, the legend. So we're looking forward to that. And as usual, if you haven't had enough tonight, thanks for staying up late with us. Uh, Wednesday night, Mark Jones and Friends, our parent company, we were birthed from there. 
will be on 9, 10 a.m. WLF. You have Mark, Jim, Reggie, Jack, Carl, Luther, and they let myself stop by every now and then. We will see everyone back next Monday, Memorial Day, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I'm a little less than 168 hours, but we'll see you then. Thank you so much, everybody. Good night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everybody.